Hello, and welcome to the Theological Family Ministry Podcast, a podcast for parents as well as children and youth ministry leaders. We are dedicated to showing how theological study and biblical application relate to the discipleship of children and youth. As always, we're hosted by Pastor Ben Palaz, the family and discipleship pastor at Curtis Baptist Church in Augusta, Georgia, and Pastor Anthony Trussoni, the supported elder at Poland Baptist Church in Poland, Maine. All right, Tony, we're back at it. We've refreshed. Uh, I've got a nice cup of coffee, which that was good. I've, I've actually been changing my, my coffee habits um, recently, but I'm enjoying this cup. Did you go make one of your fancy cups? I actually did it earlier for a first podcast, so... Right now, I've just got my giant thing of water, and actually, uh, which is refreshing because the water at our church is actually a uh, the same water I believe that that is used for the bottle uh, water bottle company, um, bottling water company, uh, Poland Springs Resort, Poland Springs Water. So. Oh, okay. I I was just thinking maybe that one. Okay. Yeah, I think it's the Man, same that's... aquifer or whatever. So. So, like, when you guys do baptism and stuff, it should be, like, really refreshing. It is, yeah, yeah. People take a gulp of water. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, that's that's cool. Um, so, Tony, you know, the spring – has spring finally um, emerged there, or do you guys still have snow, or how's that working? I mean, so far, you never know. <laughs> it's snow, but uh, it's funny because we generally can't plant anything until after Mother's Day. Uh, and, uh, but I'm hoping we can plan early, uh, that Mother's Day is coming up, but, uh, it's, uh, we, we, we're out of the cold for the most part, I think. Okay. So yeah, we've actually had a cooler spring than normal, but this week we've had some warmer temperatures. I think it may have hit 90, but you know, as spring has come, um, it's brought sports involvement for me personally, because I'm coaching my son's team and so you know i've been out there dealing with kids picking grass or watching other people run around when i'm trying to get them to listen um maybe sometimes they're staring at me wondering what i'm talking about because you know we're playing this strange game with all these rules and it's like well, why, why does it matter if i tag them or touch the base and um you know trying to teach them these new skills and there's just a lot of complexity to the game um now i will say that all the kids have improved which has been a joy to watch because some of them came out there that really had never played and didn't know much and you know they've come a long way um but probably none of these kids are going to be playing for the braves or the red Sox. you got your your socks gear on today mm-hmm. um do you have noma on the back of that or is it just uh <laughs> just generic red socks so okay um <clears throat> who the Braves took it to last night, we should add. But uh, probably none of the kids on my team are going to end up playing. Uh, and they're really, I think there's like 800 roster spots currently on uh, major league teams. The chances of them making it are just really, really low. There's millions of kids playing youth ball and uh, high school, college, you know, who are aspiring to that. It's just, you know, the the odds are not in your favor. Um but the kids and their parents and I, you know, we can enjoy this time. Um, how early did you start playing sports, whether it was organized sports or just kind of playing it with other kids uh, when you were younger? Yeah, that's a good question. Before I answer, I did want to ask you, uh, you know, the kids on the team didn't start getting better after a trip to Miami, did they? Took a little team field trip, you know. Performance has been enhanced. These kids are like crushing it over the fence. <laughs> we got a special water. Like, get that water cooler. Yeah, yeah. Make sure you get that. 
<laughs> no, I, uh, yeah, I think I played T-ball some when I was little. I mean, not a lot. It was, uh, I, I wish I had played more baseball in ways. I mean, I, I kind of like baseball in a lot of ways more than football over time, but, uh, the, I did play high school football. I was pretty into it. Uh, I eventually quit to uh, write for my school newspaper more. Uh, but, you know, it, what is interesting, though, is that sports really has played throughout my life kind of a progressively smaller and smaller role in my life. I mean, I, I think I probably should watch it again more. I do enjoy it, but even when I think when we lived, you know, on top of one another in duplexes, I was pretty into it. Uh, in a way that I'm, I'm just not, you know, I play a, a baseball video game sometimes now, but you know, I, I don't do a ton of it, but uh, how about you? Uh, how, how early did you start playing sports? I mean, was it right out of the room? I mean, you're from the South, so. <laughs> you know, um, I don't know. I, my dad tells me I was not all that interested when I was younger. I was more into, you know, like action figures and guns and soldier kind of stuff and then when i was four i played base or t-ball um and I, I just grew to love sports more and more and so i mean i probably played thousands of hours of sports as a kid so, and probably a lot of that was just recreationally you know messing around in the driveway or in somebody's backyard kind of thing. I, I did play organized sports. Now, I know uh, Malcolm Gladwell says you got to get to like 10,000 hours to become world class. Well, if I made it 10,000 hours, that didn't apply. That I don't think I quite made it on any one given thing. Uh, but, I mean, I really enjoyed it. I was – like you, though, over time, it's become less and less a part of my uh, focus. Um, I mean, I was idolatry idolatrously you know into sports when i was younger I, I remember middle school like i could tell you what people were the guys on the braves what their batting average was and what the pitchers eras were i mean like i was locked in um then when we were when we lived you mentioned the time we spent in louisville um there were ways i mean i enjoyed living there but there were ways you know where i kind of longed for home and so i really paid attention to like georgia sports and um to the Braves and that kind of thing. And it was like a connection with home for me. Um, and, and, but I mean, I didn't have cable, so I didn't watch the games, but we could pick up the Reds games on the radio. And so sometimes I'd like to, and I remember riding around in the car, particularly with my dad as a kid, listening to the Braves on the radio. So there was something kind of nostalgic about just listening to them. And I'd always like, kind of like the Reds anyway. Um, but now, I mean, I, I will check the scores but I, you know, it's just not going to be something that takes a lot out of my time or my budget. Now, when the Braves won the World Series, I did stay up because I was like eight years old the last time it happened. I stayed up that game and watched it. Um, and then when Georgia uh, won the national championship, um, I, I, I was too cheap to pick because it was on ESPN. I didn't have cable. I was too cheap to like buy something to get me access. So I was like watching the ESPN game cast. That's funny. Like, loss of five yards um but anyway then you know there's people all over the, like it wasn't just me there were people shooting fireworks you know afterwards and it's like midnight um so i did stay up for that because i was like i don't know when this is going to happen again you know the last time was like 1980 so yeah um so yeah. <clears throat> i i want to come up by the way it's funny how we change 
that and and that's actually with sports i often tell people that i use as an example of when i tell young people you know don't don't marry based on compatibility you know but personality because we have a way of changing and when i got married uh, on our honeymoon uh that two years ago uh, that we were in Cosmo, Mexico on gorgeous beach. I mean, paradise. And I had to make sure that on that little TV in the room, we made sure I made sure to watch every second of the Cowboys playoff game wherein they lost. And I was a Cowboys fan back then. Ugh. Uh, and uh, now I, the only football games I generally watch in a year. I mean, it's usually most years I'll watch the Super Bowl, and that's it. I'll always mean to watch more than that, but I'll I'll watch the Super Bowl, and and even then, it's if it's a good game, I care about it, and if it, you know the last Super Bowl is great though. Mm. See, I typically I often don't watch the Super Bowl or watch a little bit week to week. I'll watch just basically to ha- let my mind go in neutral for a little bit. I'll turn it on and you know watch the Falcons get stomped on um because that's what's here locally and my Mm -hmm. son's you know kind of mildly interested but uh i really miss fox having baseball games on during saturdays like they used when we were kids that was like what Mm -hmm. was on in the afternoon now it's like sometimes it's on at night but uh not always um but you know that's that's that so as you've gotten older and sports has become less part of your life has the your view of the role and the usefulness of sports changed uh, as you've had kids and, and that just has shaped your life. And as your kids have gotten older, I mean, how, how has that worked for you? Yeah. So, I mean, personally, our kids aren't that into it. You know, there's, uh, I mean, they'll, they'll mention sports, but you know, it's not been, I mean, our kids tend, our kids are really more into science uh, NASA type stuff, but uh, I will say my views still have evolved over time. But more as I've seen it, kind of captivate people, and and the extent to which I think the culture around sports has grown and evolved, uh, maybe devolved. I don't know that evolved is a, a helpful term. So uh, my especially my opinions on this have especially become concrete. I do think, as I have seen, I think Christian sports groups even embrace worldliness. To me, I think that has been one of the signs of, of how big the problem has been. When even I know of, I know of Christian sports leagues. I know of, you know, that. Uh, I won't name them. I'm having a hard time not naming them, but I know of Christian sports leagues, especially ones that utilize homeschool that, you know, have a kind of worldly measure of success, embrace dangerous theology that encourage skipping church and things like that. And yeah, so, I mean, I I think that has definitely led my opinions to become not necessarily changed, but more concrete. Yeah. I mean, my, my view, I've, just as I've become less enamored with sports, I still enjoy playing them. Um, Like I live in a cul-de-sac and I have one child in particular who really wants to go play. And then two others who sometimes will join us in this. And then we have three neighbor boys that they've gotten older. They're not as engaged with this, but like we would get out there and play wiffle ball or something like that in the middle of the cul-de-sac. And I mean, I had fun playing with them. Like it's a fun game. Um, but, you know, it's I, – I realize it's not – it's okay to not be the greatest and, and this kind of thing. Um, and so as my own views on some of these things have solidified, <clears throat> you talked about kind of idolatry around sports. Like people in American culture at least, since we've had professional sports and college sports, people were engaged by it. Uh, you know, the Harvard-Yale game and the Army – 
Navy game and this kind of stuff. But with the internet and multi, uh, the, the media platforms and things we have and the amount of money that's involved, I mean, it has just become <laughs> like Godzilla. Yeah. And um, so anyway, I, I look at some of that and it's like, eh. but I mean, sports can be a very fun thing. Um, and so, I mean, we've had our kids participate in it and different ones, you know, are geared different ways. One doesn't so much like the, uh, being on a team and competing, um, if it's going to require sweating. And so swimming, uh, is preferable because if you get hot, I mean, you're in the pool and you cool off. Um, but you know, like forcing kids to play sports or something, I, I don't think it's, it's certainly necessary. But what are some benefits and opportunities of involving kids in youth sports? Yeah, I mean, I, it gives us time to uh, be by yourself and, and just uh, do our own thing, right? That's probably the best. <laughs> I'm kidding. So uh, that uh, it does do that sometimes, though. Uh, that yeah. I, I think it can bring gospel opportunities without any question. And I think that is very much worth noting uh, because yeah, we, we can look past it, but I do think young Christians – especially like high school leagues can be real missionaries and witnesses through these kinds of sports leagues where you bring people that have different worldviews together. So uh, it can be fun uh, and fun is good in the right place. You know uh, that we might seem sometimes like we're anti-fun people. I don't think we are, uh, but fun, you know, it can be that uh, we are created to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And I think part of enjoying him forever is enjoying the gifts of things like sports uh, I think it also can kind of build a team mentality. Uh, and so that kind of, you know, we're looking out for one another. But I also think to a degree, even though I think that is a strength, that that can be significantly overplayed by sports apologists. And I think that there's ways in which you can build that uh, through even more overtly spiritual things at times. Uh, so it doesn't justify some of the, the wrong that can happen because of sports. <laughs> Oh, there's a long list you could put there. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it, it, there's a lot that can be gained from it. Again, not that, that it makes a necessity, but you can have um, just growth and coordination um, and, and development in that. You can have that they develop a new skill. And I yeah. mean, like I was talking about with my T-ball team, um, kids coming in who they're better at hitting the ball or catching the ball or just stepping and throwing the ball at the beginning of the season or, you know, now than they were at the beginning of the season and just to see them. And I've prayed, um, because I think this has carryover to other areas of life to see the reward of hard work. Like, Oh, yeah. I put effort into this and look, look at this development. I'm better at this now. This is fun. Um, and like you said, fun can, yeah, we're not, um, just raining on the parade though. Fun is not the final measure of everything that like we've, I, I heard someone else talk about that. Like, you know, children's ministry or student ministry, the biggest question we want to ask when we get our kids from that kind of setting is not, did you have fun? I mean, like people don't ask us that after worship and they don't, they shouldn't. Um, doesn't matter if we had fun. Um, so also, you know, learning to work with other people on a team um, and when they do well, when they don't, and just all that kind of stuff. You're, you're working together for a common goal in a way that, I mean, just maybe so you go to school, you're in part of a group, but it's not quite the same thing. You're not there yeah. exactly working together for the same goal um, in a, a unified way. So, 
yeah, there there's certainly benefits and opportunities there. Uh, are, do you see drawbacks or dangers? Without any question, I think this this can become an idol. Um, it, there are certainly many times where that happens. It can become an idol, uh, especially it can become an idol as it inter- when it interrupts the Lord's day. Uh, you know, when when it when it decides that you know that this trumps the things that God has clearly commanded, including gathering with the saints on that on Sunday as, as our day of worship. Uh, sometimes it can even build an unhelpful culture. I, I mean, I know I played football in high school at a Christian school, and I can tell you that, yes, there's a culture. Yes, there's a camaraderie. I don't know that it was a good camaraderie, and I think it was it fostered some really unhealthy, uh, sexist, and awful things at times. So, um, you know, I think that some of the drawbacks or dangers can be physical safety, depending on the sport. I mean, that one can have different opinions on this, but I mean, my personal opinion, for example, is that I actually don't want my son to ever play football uh, because be, I play high school football, even because of some of the evidences of, you know, uh, that tell the CTE stuff and, and the long-term effects that can have. I mean, I have a bum knee because of high school football, uh, and, and I think also the drawbacks can be discipleship time. It can put a significant limitation and, and hindrance on, you know, times like family worship, uh, because oftentimes sports, it can take up a huge amount of our schedule. It doesn't have to, but it usually does if we're honest with ourselves. What do you think, Ben? Yeah, I mean, you can teach the kids to idolize the sport, but it also can be an idolization by the parents. And truthfully, a lot of this is people who are in an income bracket where it's uh, a reality. Now, there's other people who are coming from a a place where they don't have the opportunity to afford some of these kinds of things, like when you start getting into travel ball and stuff. Now, sometimes there's ways people can figure it out or – I don't know the creative financing methods, but if there's a kid who's got talent and the coach really wants him on the team, they figure out a way to get him on the team. Yeah. Um, but – and I mean I think honest, there's some shady stuff on there. There's some people who are just – it's a racket. Um, and yeah, the amount of time and money and expense that you would spend on some of this stuff – you know, I mean, whenever you say yes to one thing, you are by default saying no to something else. And so that's time that you can't disciple one another, that you can't go serve your neighbors. Or And again, not that that's the only thing that you do, um, but if you're spending all your weekends on the road and this kind of stuff, it just becomes harder to do that. And again, I mean, we've got be, uh, clear biblical commands about some of those kind of things, what, what matters to God and um, making – really good athletes is not at the top of that list. Yeah. Uh, and so we just got to recognize that. Um, even as good as it may be, and again, it's not it's not wrong to participate in it. It can be a good thing. Um, it's just there are dangers. But I mean, it, yeah, we just have to recognize with all of good, God's gifts, like food or sex or uh, you know marriage or children, we can idolize them. And so mm-hmm. it's learning to, to receive God's gift with thankfulness and, and to have it in its proper place. So... We, anything that you would add, you know, we talked about benefits and opportunities. Are there some specific ministry opportunities that we could gain or lose? Anything else you would add um, or you, you feel like you kind of adequately? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it can allow times for families to bond. 
you know, and things that they enjoy together. Uh, and I don't think that's nothing, you know, I, I think that, uh, cause we're not just, we're talking about sports broadly and, you know, there's a beauty and, and having that bond between, I mean, you and, and your son, for example, and, and, and doing, you know, baseball together, uh, when you're not going down to Miami <laughs> for that, I'm kidding. uh, but, uh, and so I, I think there's significance and enjoying what, enjoying things together as a family within reason and with other Christians. Uh, but that doesn't justify some of the drawbacks. Yeah. I, I did uh, forget to mention that the kids, the boys on my team also now have beards. Um, so, <laughs> you know, that testosterone kind of kicked in a little early <laughs> as an extra intimidation factor. Um, but, uh, you know, I, talking about bonding with my son, like, you know, I'm coaching the team, so I have the equipment and stuff like that. And so uh, I've joked, and my dad is also helping coach as well, which it, that's fun having my dad out there. He did a lot with me, like in my front yard, and he took a lot of fastballs and stuff to the the shins and, you know, bruised up and stuff uh, out there in the front yard with me. And that was bonding time. Um, but after practice, my son will – most weeks at practice, he's like, Dad, can we can we stay and hit? And, you know, so I'll, we'll do it for a while. And But there's still other folks in different sections of the field that are there. And, you know, I've told my dad, I'm like, yeah, these people probably think, man, that psycho dad's got his t-ball kid out there making him stay after practice and his grandpa, like that poor boy. And really, you know, my son's the one asking for him. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, <laughs> he has a good time with it. And so, you know, it's we're, we're genuinely spending quality time together. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, and there's, there's opportunities, I think, to teach your kids character lessons, uh, and disciple them in that way, um, learning to win and lose graciously, teaching about idols in their hearts. What, you know, I, I want to win. And, um, I think I probably told the story on here before, but, um, I think I was 11 or 12 or so, um, pitching and pitching a pretty good game. And then, you know, those dumb kids that couldn't catch the ball or made bad throws and, you know, stuff like that. And that's, that's what made us lose. And the kid got on base and, um, you know, it took the, I mean, it ended up being a loving action. Like my, my, uh, mom did not want to ride home with us because, you know, uh, I was just going on and on. And so my dad having to call me out on that, and uh, and teach me, that, you know, this, this is not how you handle losing. Yeah. So there can be that. And you mentioned reaching out to others, whether it's the kids reaching out to other players or reaching out to other parents, you know, those kinds of things. Um, so what, and we, we've kind of alluded to this, but maybe we can spend a little bit more time drilling down if there's some specific things you see, but some cultural trends related to youth sports that, that are worth us at least paying attention to or that you're concerned about um, so that we're not conformed to the spirit of the age if, if we're going to get involved in sports with our kids. Yeah. So um, what are some of the cultural trends? That, uh, I, I think uh, one of the big cultural trends is – and I think, I suspect the further north you go, the more you're seeing this. Maybe I'm wrong, but uh, I think stealing Sundays. Uh, I mean, it, it's to me, it seems as if even public schools, there used to be a, a knowledge that, you know, put, scheduling things on Sundays meant that a conflict with church, with uh, with religious uh, gatherings, and therefore we're just not going to schedule it. And it's and it just seems like the default now. It just seems assumed that they're going to if it, there's going to be if there's going to be sports events, it's probably going to be on Sundays. And and I think that is definitely a cultural trend 
today that that's not helpful. Um, I, I think there's often over multi-commit that an overboard on multi-commitment. You know, I, I kind of feel like that years ago it was not uncommon for people to do like track and football in high school, for example, or you know basketball and baseball in high school. But I mean, I I don't feel like it was as normal as it is that you know that elementary age children and junior high age children are thrown into multiple sports to see what kind of sticks. Uh, and I don't know that that's very helpful. Uh, I, I think also another one is social media uh, with parents and parents making it into an identity marker on social media. And, you know, I've seen this, you know, and this isn't, we go at Snapchat, but, you know, and Instagram or the Facebooks of our generation, you know, the, that, uh, the whole identity culture built around your kids, uh, that kids sports and how, you know, that makes you a, a good person and, and almost living your life vicariously through your kid, through that kind of identity stuff. That, that's definitely a, not a good cultural trend. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And he sent me a, a video kind of in preparation for this. Um, and, and I don't think that the people that produce that are like, if they're Christians, I don't know, maybe they are, but um, it, it's certainly not overt that they are. And they were kind of poking fun at that, the the lack of objectivity. We have, man, my kid, like, my kid's awesome. Like, I mean, I know, uh, I mean, I'm a parent and all, but like, just look at them. And, you know, there are coaches out there, particularly, um, who who are stand to financially benefit or their their ego can be boosted because they have the kid on their team and they can win. Um, and I've seen uh, this guy that I played baseball against in high school. I saw on Facebook had uh, posted something, <clears throat> and it's this parody account on social media where the guy you know pretends like he's a, a travel ball baseball coach mm-hmm. and. You know, he's like, yeah, this weekend I uh, took my best pitcher and had him switch jerseys, and he threw 250 pitches. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's like, but elbow pain is temporary, but 12 and under championships are forever. And you know, just those kinds of things. And th- this guy ended up himself playing Division One baseball, um, and he was like, you know, he played travel ball in a different era uh, of what it is now. Like back, I mean, when we were in high school. I, I knew like the elite guys play travel ball. I was not elite. I mean, I was decent, but I was not elite. And the guys that I knew, like they were getting drafted or getting, you know, college scholarships and stuff like that to play. Now it's like if just get the credit card out and everybody plays it, um, or everybody in a certain sort of tax bracket. Um, and so anyway, and then I sent it to a friend of mine in our church who who played travel ball in a more recent era, and he was, you know, sent back like a. A crying face emoji laughing he's like oh this is exactly it just, yeah just get out there and throw some more and you know it's like uh ibuprofen is an underused uh tool in youth sports <laughs> you know just give him some more um and so just that kind of mentality we got to get him a private coach and and all these kinds of things um uh, something else i've noticed is parents sort of feeling or acting like they're victims in this whole system well, it's like you know yes. what are we gonna do yeah. Um, I, mean, I had someone tell me one time, like, well, you know, they planned this tournament on Easter Sunday and man, I just can't believe they did that. It's like, well, I mean, you, you don't have to go. Like, it's not a charity event. I, I didn't actually didn't say this. I should have pushed back more. Um, I tried to gently, I probably should have been a little less gentle in the pushing, but, um, 
you know, like it wasn't a charity event. This was a money-making endeavor by the people or- organizing this thing. Um, and I mean, I can't say that I've done like investigative journalism on this, and I know all the the ins and outs. But I, I, there's been enough stuff that's come out about collegiate sports and the ways that before that you could use their likeness and image and all that stuff for you know the paying guys to keep gators out of the pool and stuff like that um the ways that colleges would get these primo athletes i'm just gonna guess in some of these youth sports with you know aau kind of stuff there was some seedy stuff going on oh yeah oh and i mean when we were in louisville i mean that you know like the, some of the stuff that was going on there like they got their uh their tournament when uh, vacated because of some of the crazy stuff um hey, that was going on and then if i remember right that uh, the coach got to teach uh, coach at a christian school as a result of it which shows this is uh not oh, i didn't know about that yeah i think he, i think he coached liberty after that right i don't think so he went somewhere else but i don't think it was there yeah I, anyway i thought liberty hired somebody that did something really that uh <laughs> But did he, I'm pretty sure they did. It might not have been him, but yeah. Anyway. Well, they've had their own issues. Um, but, uh, you know, w- when it comes to uh, college sports, which let's be honest, most kids will not play it. Um, you know, this is a, a thing where I've heard this recently uh, a few times in different contexts that they're only paying attention to kids who play travel ball or come to their camps. Like they're not going to the high school events. Yeah, I um, imagine. Which I think that that's just sort of it's gaming the whole system. And it's but even if you want your good to, kid to get into college, the chances are they are not like there's just not that many spots and probably they're not that good. Um I mean, it's just, you know, we want to feel like our kid is really good and special and especially if we're pouring time and money into it, but like they may just not be that good. Like I played with a guy um, in high school. I mean, the guy was an animal. Every time he got up there, like he's probably going to go deep and he set a state record in home runs. I mean, he was just incredible and he got drafted like in some low round and kind of fizzled out in double A. So it's like this is the best person I've ever played with. Well, and another guy actually did get – he made it to AAA um, who was a little bit younger than me and was already really good at a young age. But, I mean, even that guy made it to AAA and couldn't make it further. He got hurt. You know, so it's just – I think probably the average if, – if you've not played at a high level of athletics yourself or know people and like – it's like, oh, yeah, they look really good. But the level to get to that, it, it is so high. It's just unreal for some of them. Well, um, yeah, I mean, to show that uh, the average person really is not realistic. I mean, who, the big right now, I think, feel like the biggest prospects, the biggest future prospects out of high school for football and basketball is uh, it's LeBron, it's Bronny James, and uh, it's Arch Manning, our, <laughs> the nephew of Peyton. I'm just going to guess they had access to some training and resources that your kids don't. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> um yeah, as well as physical, you know, like the genetic stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, there's some. I don't know if it was like on actual television or just on the internet, but there's some guy who was like, I mean, absolute bottom of the barrel in the NBA. Like, of all how many four hundred something players, whatever it is, he was in like maybe there were like 
five people under him in total points scored or average points scored. Um, I mean, he was not a good NBA player. And they did this thing where he would go out to different gyms and people, you know, it was like established who he was. And these guys would be like, oh, yeah, man, I'm going to take you, boy. I'll, I'll, I'll you know, I'm going to own you. And he just got out there and dominated people. And, and it was, I mean, it wasn't just like Joe Schmo who just got finished drinking his beer. I mean, it was like people that played high school or even college ball and, and who had some skill. And, I mean, he just demolished them. Like, it wasn't even a contest. And this guy's, like, one of the worst players in the NBA, you know? I mean, so, like, the tear up is just incredible. Right. Um, and so I think we just need to recognize that. But anyway, um, so what about for kids – where sports is just is not a realistic option for for whatever different kind of reasons um and i mean we could discuss that if you want but um and, and they're struggling with that though they want to play and it's just not an option like how can parents shepherd them through that yeah so i think eternal eternity mindedness can help in this and that might seem like an odd answer but you know i really think it's wise to maintain that in any of these kinds of sacrifices, we sacrifice for now. So, you know, if it means that our kid doesn't, I suspect the majority of faithful parents will not be able to have their kids in travel. I suspect that it's going to be rare to be able to be a faithful parent that takes your kid to church every Sunday and be in travel. Well, you know, maybe there's exceptions, but I suspect most of the time it's not. And so when your kid has a miss, for example, on that, I think knowing that for those who know Christ, I mean, if sports are a good thing, and I think they are in their place, there's an really we're going to be blessed by these in the days that aren't our pilgrim days and this life is our pilgrim days uh but there will be an eternity to be able to you know to uh hit uh, some home runs and uh, <laughs> and to play you know play football in the backyard in a way i i don't know how it's going to work in new heavens new earth but i i think everything good here is going to be they're going to have the same thing or better or a better replacement and i think knowing that knowing that even when we lose out teaching our kids even when we lose out we really don't because of eternity i think can be helpful uh i think also they're showing at the same time that we ha that the christian life is dying to self and uh and this should be expected we should prepare our kids to be able to sing that so a song we've been singing in our church recently jesus i my cross have taken uh and uh but you can't teach them to die to self if you're teaching them that we're gonna put it, we're gonna let everything else die in their life so that you can make sure that you're in, you know, the traveling rec league. So, but uh, I mean, that's a really, really good point, uh, and not some minor thing buried in some, you know, uh, obscure New Testament passage. I mean, uh, Jesus is very clear. Yeah, uh, and, and there can be other reasons why somebody might not play. Maybe. Because of uh, physical issues, um, they're just prohibited from playing sports, or they're just not good enough to make this or that team. Maybe the family can't afford it, um, and just trying to emphasize God's goodness in that, and that He's, you know, He's ordered our lives in the way that He sees as good. Not just that He thinks is good, but that He knows is good for us. Um, it's okay to grieve at missing out. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, we we can be sad together about that, but we can also try to do some of that together. Um, and just asking God to let you see how he's made you so you can lean into that and the opportunities that you have to serve him, to love others. Um, but, yeah, I really like what you said, the, the eternity-mindedness. Um, so are there just any big-picture principles that you think 
we should emphasize with our kids for how to approach and how to play sports. Yeah. Like going spikes up or, you know. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. Yeah. I, I think uh, I would say that big picture principles uh, would be putting God first doesn't mean making him a bumper sticker on the car that we want that we want to drive. You know what I mean? Because I, I think a lot of ways that I have known, I literally, I remember this. Uh, there was a parent that uh, when I was in youth ministry, a parent would almost always miss church on Sundays. Very that, but had privileged membership of that church, and they like hashtagged uh, for the glory of God when they'd have pictures of their other kid missing worship service. Uh, that uh, for the sake of their sport, and I think don't do that because putting God first doesn't mean just doing what we want to do with with kind of Jesus latched on as like a bumper sticker. Uh, that I think those are big preacher principles. Doing putting God first means obeying what he says, including to gather with the saints. Uh, but uh, I think also big picture principles can be things like sports can be godly in their place. You know, mm-hmm. that uh, God made all good things. Uh, but, you know, just as so long as we understand the role in it, it's just like, you know, it's, it's a good thing that uh, the uh, it's good nature's a good thing, but that it's not a good thing to abandon uh, feeding your kids so that you can go out into nature, right? <laughs> that, uh, but I think lastly, I do think we can point out that athletics can be a missions field, and you know, and pr- I'm probably a little harder on some of the things than most people are on this. I think. Maybe it's because of the ridiculousness of our culture, but we cannot, uh, but we, we shouldn't go to the extreme of completely taking out because when possible, when we can find compromise that doesn't have to mean involve sin, that doesn't have to involve disobedience of God, there can be good ways that we can navigate these things to get exposed to lost people and share the good news of Jesus with them. What do you think, Ben? Yeah, I like all those. I think, too, even just more generally, this plus spiritual, but, um, you know, teaching to play to enjoy it. Um, now, I don't think that you only only play to have fun. There's also a point to the game. Um, I mean, even if you're playing a board game, like I, I remember you and I played some a long time ago, played some like Puritan game that they had invented. And, I, you know, like the as, oh, as Herm yeah. Edwards said, you play to win the game. Um and so there is an emphasis of playing well and trying to to do that, but not you know not uh, idolizing winning. Yeah. Um, win and lose graciously. Um, and I mean, it comes down First Corinthians ten thirty one. Whether you, I think it's thirty one. Uh, whether you eat or you drink, as mundane a thing as is that necessary, but mundane, eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. So you can go out there, and yeah, I, I agree. Like. Don't forsake the direct command of God and then say, oh, I'm doing this to glorify God. Um, It's a little different, but, you know, go out there, play well, play hard um, and and do it. Give, you know, don't go out there arrogant and that kind of thing. Um, Go play hard and and be uh, gracious and, yeah, enjoy it. Um, So what role do local churches have in equipping families to steward sports well? And particularly because, I mean, you've talked about some of the, the craziness and distortions of our culture. Um, I don't think either one of us would say sports is bad and evil and sinful. 
it has just become something that the culture has idolized in, in a lot of ways. And so this is the culture where we find ourselves. So how can churches help? Yeah, yeah. It, this is interesting and good question, I think. Uh, you know, I was When I was thinking about responding to this, I was thinking about the fact that, you know, basically everybody would agree that we need to respond from the pulpit, from all aspects of ministry, to, to major errors of our day. So that's why, I mean, it's we're probably going to talk more about homosexuality and transgenderism than they would have 300 years ago, because these are the pressing <laughs> issues of our day. Uh, you know, I don't think you're going to find any Edward sermons on transgenderism. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but at the same time, that but then we don't apply this to ones where a lot of times the problems are within the body. And, uh, you know, I think yeah. if, uh, if we're going to speak to cultural sins of, of transgenderism, I think we should be willing to preach and teach in multiple capacities on this, which I think is a more common sin even with the sports idolatry. Uh, I think sports idolatry maybe should be a bigger target. Uh, that then even a lot of the outside stuff, all that stuff that people that don't go to our churches go to, uh, because we we're called to deal with the sins and in, in within first before even rallying against what's outside, uh, and I think that's especially the case in next gen ministry. I, I think every youth and children's ministry should be equipped and ready to teach children in some capacity about sports idolatry, uh, and I think and part of this is we need to teach young people the role of dying to self more and i think that will make a lot of that more natural because the fact that i, I think that's part of the reason why we have an overcommitment to things that are fun that we enjoy where we find our identity and our joy in, is we don't have enough of a culture on on the idea of dying to self and uh and carrying a cross and and i think if we point that is the positive opposite we can navigate this in a more healthy way but what do you think ben uh well i, I really like that yeah that i was talking with my daughter on the way to school today about the need that i, I feel that the need to particularly within the children's ministry area that i oversee to call kids try to push them to respond to the teaching of the gospel by serving others not just come to this program and we'll, we'll teach you well and how all these things organized for you, but also to, to push them out and give them some maybe even organized ways and then hoping that they will organically do it, but serve others. That like, The call to follow Christ is a call to deny ourselves. Um, Jesus has not called us to be comfortable. And I think, you know, within our context of fairly affluent society, and I, well, yeah, I mean, we're the most fluent society in the history of the world, but that doesn't mean every single person in our churches is just, you know, rolling in cash and they've got a treasure chest in the back of their trunk. Um, but the people that can afford to do some of the, the more lavish and, you know, luxurious stuff on the sports end, I mean, they clearly, God has blessed them financially. Um, <clears throat> and so it's easier, I guess, to see like making ourselves comfortable and happy and not denying ourselves. It becomes easier to do that in some ways. Yeah. Now, you you can be guilty of that if you're you know impoverished as well. You can still be greedy even though you don't have that much. Um, and so, just kind of thinking through some of those things. But um, what can be a factor? But we do want to work to press their consciences to the need to not idolize sports. Yeah. Um, 
and and just emphasizing over and over that we have been charged to make disciples, apprentices. I, I've heard is a a good uh, connector in our culture of what a disciple was. It's not you know it's, we use disciple as kind of this churchy thing, um, but an apprentice goes and they learn and they do with the master teacher, and so. That's what we've been commanded to do, to make apprentices to Jesus and to to take people who are boys and girls and make them into men and women, not really good athletes. Like yeah. That is not our end goal. Um, I mean, if your kid makes it to the Hall of Fame, I mean, that's cool. But how's their soul? Mm-hmm. Um, and you gain the whole world, but you lose your soul, it, it doesn't matter. I mean, it um, we talked about this on the episode we recorded before, but you know the the book "Don't Waste Your Life" and coming before Jesus with your seashells. I mean, you're like, hey Jesus, here's my trophies. I mean, I had like best batting average and you know like all these swim medals and whatever else. Um, it's not going to amount to that much in the end. And so we play sports and enjoy that gift. And, and I mean, there can be physical benefits past. You know, childhood, you learn to play certain sports and you can continue to do that for your own health and, and enjoy it with your children one day um, or in recreational leagues and use it for evangelism or just, you know, because it's fun and because you need some exercise. Like there, there can be so many things that come from it. Um, just <laughs> got to see that it is not ultimate. And uh, again, we, we are, whether we're parenting children or we're just a Christian and we're not in that stage of life that we're parenting children. We are called to help other people become followers of Jesus. Um, people that are still in darkness that we're trying to get into the kingdom. People who are already in the kingdom, we're trying to, them, to help them mature to become like Christ. And uh, that's the end goal, not really good athletes. And so um, thank God for sports, but let's put it in its rightful place and you know, not – golden it, it is kind of appropriate that you know often the the championship trophy is like this golden thing you know <laughs> might as well be bowing down to it yeah. <laughs> starting a fire and sacrificing some people or something um but uh yeah so tony um i appreciate you thinking with me on this and i, I know we you know we took kind of strong lines on this and again it's for two, like you're wearing a boston red sox shirt right now like we both enjoy sports and it's fun and good um but I, like you said, and you said this before in other contexts, and I think it's I appreciate it, and it, it rings true with me and kind of convicts me. It's easy to sort of be quote prophetic to the outside, like oh my goodness, all these people out there doing all this crazy sinful stuff, and oh man, the world's going to hell in a handbasket. And then, but when it's addressing the sins in the house, be a little bit softer and a little more mealy mouthed about it, um, and because. Yeah, I mean, it really can be just fear of man because yeah. um, then we start stepping on toes that are a lot closer to us. Um, so, yeah, it takes wisdom. It takes love. And uh, hopefully this will be helpful for those who listen to this, just thinking through it and helping others, raising questions sometimes like, hey, have you thought about this? Um, because some of these are issues of conscience. Some of these maybe are less so. Um, so I don't know. Any, any closing parting shots? No, I mean, I think just just remember, you know, what the the trophy that we gain for running after Christ, it is going to be far superior. And it sounds corny, but I think it's true. It is far superior than than the fading trophy that comes for the person that wins that race or or win or you know wins that game, the state championship or whatever it is. It's worth it. Yeah, yeah, we. 
uh, and an imperishable crown. I said, I'll, I'll close with this. I, our church is in the process of selling a portion of our property, and you know we have a school sports program, that kind of thing. And we had a yard sale on Saturday, and um, one man in our church who who did a lot with the sports program in years past. Well, actually, he still does some stuff. Um, he came down to buy, among other things, a basketball state championship trophy. Um, and it had the net on it and stuff. And yeah. he's like, oh, you should go get one of those because this will make a great illustration um, because, you know, this nobody even this thing's from 1993. Nobody cares about it anymore. <laughs> and it's that, it's that quick. That's like not that long ago. Yeah, yeah, you know, that's good. It's just gone. Nobody cares. And so, but, the, you know, the crown that, that we were given, like the, the crown isn't not like a royal crown, but the, the, the listeners, you know, a crown, a, a laurel wreath would be given um, as a kind of their trophy. Uh, that faded, but what we're given from the Lord is is imperishable. And so, um, again, we're here after conformity to Christ um, for ourselves and those that, that he's put in our lives, um, not... <laughs> not uh, titles and banners on the wall. So thanks for listening and to our listeners. And Tony, thanks for thinking with me. Amen. God bless. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Theological Family Ministry Podcast. If you have enjoyed this episode, please give us a review on iTunes and share the podcast with your friends on social media. All new episodes are available to listen to on Stitcher, SoundCloud, YouTube, Spreaker, and iTunes. We hope you have a great week. And join us again every first and third Thursday.